Welcome back to another episode of The Millennial Entrepreneur. It's so good to have you for episode number 101. Firstly, I wanna say a massive thank you to everyone that gave amazing words of support for episode number 100. It was an episode that we had in the works for a while and I'm so proud of it. Without you guys and your support, the podcast would have never have been in a stage where we would have even had the opportunity to record episode 100. So thank you so much again. And so we're back with episode number 101. We're on the journey now to episode number 200, which I'm so excited about. So in this episode, I spoke to Charlie Rogers, a content creator and writer, talking about how young people can empower themselves on the path to self-mastery. Charlie believes all great achievements start with self-mastery. And so we covered what exactly is self-mastery and how it can benefit you in achieving impact in whatever you are doing and also the top challenge young people face when it comes to self-mastery and how to overcome it. And lastly, the mindset you have to undertake and how to get started on the path to self-mastery. At first, it seemed like a very abstract term to me, self-mastery, but as Charlie talks about it and we had this conversation, it became very you know, solid in my mind that this is a very cool concept that I definitely want to execute in my life. And so I hope that it's one of these episodes where you guys you know, get a lot of value from because I, as a, you know, <laughs> actually asking them the questions, I got a lot of value from it. And so that's enough from me. Let's jump into the episode. Hey, Charlie, how are you? Hi, Sina. Yeah, I'm, I'm really good. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It's been a long time coming. We met ages ago and yeah, we wanted to get you on the podcast for a while. So Thank you so much for coming. It's a very unique episode, I feel, getting you on for episode 101. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I think it was back in maybe November, December last year. I think we kind of met first time in person back on a, a dinner doubles um, back with, I think it was Nikita, wasn't it, that brought you along. Um, but yeah, since then, I think you've always caught up with what you've been doing. It's always been some interesting stuff and, you know, just great to have this chat with you today. The thing is, your experience, your past is very, like, varied and there's a lot of different elements here that, I want to talk about that's not just about entrepreneurship, but it kind of stems like deeper than that to your like mindset to stuff that you do for sports and like fitness. I guess before we jump into all of that though, Charlie, it'd be good to get like a very brief intro on like what you're doing and yeah, definitely make it be easier. So how I explain myself at the moment is that I do three things. When someone asks you like, oh, what's your job? I do three things. One, I write about self mastery, so I have a Substack where. I publish weekly and some people pay me for it. Some people wait for free. Either way, trying to deliver the most value I can to people to help them master their 20s. And then I also coach people on how to go from freelancer to agency owner. So how to think like a business owner, how to implement systems, how to scale. But I also help out a few other people that want to build portfolio careers in there as well. And then thirdly, I lead future of work projects to help individuals and organizations rethink the future of the workplace that's fit for employees of the future i guess my first question there is what is self-mastery like you it it just sounds a bit vague like what what would it actually entail yeah no it's a great question and that's something that the more i write it the more i'm getting closer to the answer i feel like i don't necessarily have the answer myself and i'm trying to explore it with everyone so the way i frame my writing is that i'm also an apprentice i'm also someone who's learning not someone who has all the answers I'm just trying to share what I've learned. And in terms of how to define it, it's really having an understanding of your own mind in the sense that you can both control your emotions so you can listen to them and be at peace with them, but you can also then tune into who you are and let go of the societal pressure to become something else and to conform to other people. So a lot of it comes down to finding out your purpose, your why, but also then executing on it in a way that you're not being limited by your own bad habits, by your own lack of focus and being intentional with the life you live. And I'm assuming for you to be able to write on this, on this journey and 
like it must have been like I'm, I'm assuming it must have been a fairly long journey for yourself to get yourself to a stage where you are self-mastered yourself where you you feel comfortable enough sharing your experiences and your journey with with other people what kind of pushed you to firstly take that step onto self-mastery for yourself first great question so i'd say for myself i've always had this belief that i can do anything and that really stems from when i first got involved with my running back in like when i was 14 uh, 15 i took it up as the worst one there at my school and I just saw myself keep improving by turning up. And I was like, wow, okay, you know, talent isn't the thing that defines everyone. Actually, we can get better at things by putting effort into it, by turning up each day and by trying different techniques. I just saw my times drop and my position in the club, like keep improving. And then by the time I left, I was vice captain of the club. Like I'd gone from being literally the bottom, i.e. On, on the track, being overlapped by people into, wow, okay, I can actually have influence in this club and like help people out as well. And then when I went... To uni, I um, sat my A-levels uh, in my final year at school. And when I resat them, my ASs were like ACC. And I was like, okay, I don't really feel like I've achieved what I could do here. So in my final year of school, I like literally went in 8 a.m. to 10 p.m., Monday to Saturday, and went in on Sunday as well, and grinded out for about like four months. And for me, I was like, I'm going to give this everything and try my absolute best to do what I think is possible by putting the effort in. And so I managed to reset some of my ASs, but also sit the A-levels and I came out with A-star AA at the end. So for me, that or those two experiences reinforced the belief that I could do anything. And so since then, I just keep reminding myself that by doing things that are increasingly more difficult. And so each time I do it, I'm like, oh, that thing's not actually impossible. Well, I can do that one. What else can I do? So each time it gets more and more challenging, more and more difficult. And it's almost like an endless curve of what I would describe now as my number one value of bravery of facing something that's challenging and overcoming it uh, people see that as confidence often they say oh you're a confident person charlie but actually i see myself as a brave person someone who still feels the emotion but still decides to sort of reject the idea of i know be leading into the fear and instead overcoming it in the journey as well so it started out i guess from a fitness standpoint and i guess like more of a sport context rather than the entrepreneurship well like yeah business st- standpoint I'm quite interested. I guess, like, what is the overlap there for you, like, personally? For me, I believe for you to create anything meaningful in the world in terms of a business, in terms of a project, in terms of the potential impact you can have, you first need to to master yourself. And I think the greatest example of that is the athlete mindset of pushing yourself through a sport and finding that, oh, shit, I have to overcome this obstacle. I have to face this most difficult race that I've done. I have to then go one step harder. I have to keep going when it's difficult. That mindset of being able to push through the pain helps in infinite number of ways when it comes to business, when it comes to entrepreneurship, because there are days when you're looking at the forecast and you're like, well, okay, I don't know, I'm going to pay payroll at the end of the month. I don't know, I'm going to cover everyone's um, income here. Like that kind of pressure you need to be able to withstand. And the way to learn that is to put yourself under constant pressure physically And obviously you get the benefits of health. You get to feel confident with your body. You get to feel uh, actually fit and healthy to take on the world. But also the mindset, I'd say, is the most critical part. And that's the bit that overlaps so greatly with those that are in business, doing entrepreneurship, and those that are achieving things in sports, the highest level as well. What's the, where's the line though? Like, this is a very interesting discussion I've had with a lot of people, like very high achieving people who, because there is a very fine line of working incredibly hard or working too mm. hard and then getting to a stage where 
your mind and body can't really keep up with the with the level of hours and sort of effort you're putting in. And I guess with the business side, it's a bit more blurred because a lot of people just work sort of behind a computer and you don't you don't see the physical side as much as maybe the mental side. Whereas in sports and athletics, you definitely feel the physical side. You can feel that fairly immediately. And and I guess you've done you've done that by like almost sort of like dying in in like one of your sort of um I guess like pursuits to to do an Ironman, right? So like where is the line, I guess, mm. is what I'm trying to ask. Yeah, like how hard should you push yourself? Well, yeah. I had two experiences really. One was my first one in first year at university in 2017, January. I was training for like the first season at uni. I was again, I'd gone from being quite good at my club to going to Loughborough and realizing, oh shit, I'm, I'm back at being the worst again because everyone has GB athletes. So when I trained that first year, I was ramping up the mileage. I went along and I went along to this like county championships and then managed to 500 meters from the end collapse. And they took me on a back of stretcher. My heart rate was like 180, 190. And then they put me in hospital for like 13 days, uh, which sounds really bad, but I'd say it's probably NHS inefficiency more than anything else. But they basically tell, told me that you might not be able to do physical exercise again or do it to the level of competition that I was competing at. And I was like, oh, you know, like you can't tell me that. Uh, and I feel like that motivation from someone saying that, well, life's short. You at the time say, was I 18? And someone telling me that you might not actually have much time left to do this sport to the level you want to do it. I think that for me was a big motivation in terms of realizing that, okay, I might not be able to do this tomorrow. So I need to spend the most of it today, but also coming close to death. And I think when you come close to death like that, and even with the most recent experience, like I had uh, only a few months ago, where I managed to get a bit confident when I was training for an Ironman uh, this year, I was like really, really fit climb up the hills really well and then managed to cycle down the other side of them in Mallorca, took the switchbacks, one, two, three on the third one, hit the crash barrier, went over the edge like Superman and six, two kilometers an hour, managed to uh, do a 10 foot drop and land on the rocks below. And I managed to uh, break my little finger. So it's not very well aligned with the other one, um, but also really like bruised my back and at the same time cut my arms up as well. But everyone kept telling me I should be dead. Uh, and the way I reacted at the time was quite telling, should we say, I kind of pulled myself up to the side of the road, like with some help. Um, and then when I lied down, I was like, okay, I realized how bad it is. I looked up in the sky and I was like, you know what? This is just an experience of life. This is just part of it. And I think that first time, that first brush with death, it taught me that I can accept death with open arms rather than something to fear. And so for me, if it comes tomorrow, awesome, man. I've had a good life. I've enjoyed it. It's been great. I've lived true to my purpose. And if it comes in 20, 40, 60, 80 years, however long it takes, great too and I think that acceptance of death removes the fear of a lot of things in life and I think for me the reason why I push myself so hard is because I don't feel like death is something to fear but I'd say the line probably comes when you should listen to your body so afterwards once I'd made that crash I was deciding like should I still do the Ironman you know the classic athlete mindset of, like, I can do anything so I should keep going but for me I had a bit of an introspection I looked at it and I was like I have 45 days to choose um before the before the race starts if i want to do it because i can defer to next year and this isn't like a cheap entry like when you pay for an ironman it's like 500 pounds or something to, to put behind it to do it as well so i asked myself like do i want to just cross a line or would i rather train to be the best performance i can be to do it to the best level i could be and i answered the second one i was like you know i want to do it to the best level i can be so i sort of took the pressure off i listened to my body and thought 
okay, I can't compete at that level. I could probably cross a line, but I'd do more damage to myself in the process. So for me, listening to it in that case, after an injury in particular, was a really big one. But the balance, I'd say, is always one that's blurred, and especially one where you have that mindset of being able to do anything. It's tough to listen to yourself and listen to sort of experts around you saying, you know, you probably can't do this one, maybe give this one a little bit of rest. So I think confronting those challenges is difficult, but I'd say listen to it internally rather than externally. So if you look at yourself and go, okay, do I want this in this way? No, okay, then that's the way to choose rather than someone telling you you can't do it. I'll tell you what though, Charlie, it's quite an interesting one because with a lot of entrepreneurs that I've talked to and yeah, I've talked to many, like this podcast is episode number 101, so I've talked to 100 before, and like obviously many through like my other journey. So like from what I've experienced, what I've talked to people, a massive motivator a lot with a lot of people is like being told no, that they can't do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like whether that comes from like teachers, like coaches, like other businesses, just the market generally as to like their product, like, no, this is never going to work. No, yeah. you can't do this. And that mo- that does something in their minds, like very deep to make them go like, just try to prove them wrong and prove everyone wrong. So I feel like when you were sort of um, like even the doctors saying, no, you can't do this, when all the odds are stacked against you is like from a fitness point of view, I, I know there was probably something in you was like, no, I could probably prove them wrong and do it. Mm-hmm. Like, and that goes with a lot of entrepreneurs that I've talked to. So would you say a part of self-mastery is to sort of, I don't know, like, I don't know what the sort of term would be, but like to calm that sort of motivator down because it can be toxic maybe if you push it too hard. Yeah. A lot of people are motivated by other people's opinions and that spins both ways. It spins in a, oh, I get to achieve this thing. Isn't that so great way, which is deemed to be quote positive, but also in the, oh, I listen so much to other people. I don't do anything in life, which is deemed to be negative. But both of them coming from the opinions of others is again, you're not leading your own life. You're leading from what other people say to you. So being able to step away from that is definitely part of self-mastery. Like a hundred percent, we're like emotional creatures. We're animals at the end of the day and you're going to feel that the self-mastery is not about not feeling it's about listening and being able to step away from the emotions at the time i completely understand why charlie's talking about self-mastery and what it kind of represents in this road to achieving absolute sort of impact in whatever you're doing whether that's entrepreneurship business whatever but now that we've understood the meaning and what it kind of represents i really want to shift the conversation to specifically what it means for young people in this context and specifically in charlie's experience what is the single biggest challenge for young people when it comes to self-mastery distraction that would be my number one word right now the more i write about this the more i realize it it's distraction by the big old you know phone in our hands but also it's distraction by our peers distraction by the lifestyle of what we actually want versus what we think we want and it's a distraction of focus in terms of spending our effort and energies on the thing that's most aligned with us rather than the thing that we think is going to make us quote successful so i'd say it's distraction in a multitude of ways and being able to switch off from other people from quote society then if you can drill down and get focused on those one two three things how many it is that really fire you up that really get you going that are going to compound in the long term that you own that's where you'll see the biggest return it's definitely got harder as well i think like like in the next in yeah for this generation like our generation is it's become and the next generation even more so like it's become incredibly hard like the way that i see it is like yeah the phones is one element but it's like but also from a 
yeah, even an entrepreneurship standpoint, there's just so much opportunity. There's an abundance of opportunity. And the way that I, the analogy I would use is if you go into the supermarket, for instance, and you see like a lot of option, a lot of the time you might just be like, oh, no, I don't want anything. But if you have like three options, you're like, oh, you can just have three of these, like one, yeah, this yeah. is option number one, two or three. You probably like make an make a option. You probably make a decision. Is like the choice avoidance there is like a, a big factor, and I feel like because there's a lot of opportunity out there, people get distracted and maybe want to dabble in like one thing, like here, one thing there. I'm definitely guilty of it. Like I love doing different things. Like yeah. this, this podcast is one of the things. But one thing that I've definitely battled with is like. I guess toning down the whole feeling of like, oh, I let me just start something new. Let me just start something new. Cause I love that feeling of starting something new yeah. rather than having that feeling of being disciplined and growing something that I'm already working on for the long term. Yeah. That's something that I've like battled with massively. And I can see that so prevalent in in the generation today. Yeah. Um, because it's just so much. Yeah. Like, and to flip this on myself here, like I totally relate to this point because I've like started and closed. I've closed two businesses already. I'm what, I'm like 24. So haven't I just given up on those journeys? But actually, I think there becomes a balance and almost self-mastery is an oxymoron in a lot of cases about having to do both things at the same time, where for one, letting go of things that no longer resonate, that no longer bring you value, bring you joy, bring you happiness, bring you drive, ambition, bravery, whatever it is that drives you. And also then staying and sticking out the path for the long term as well. Like deciding when to close something is one of the hardest decisions. And recently when I just chose to close a second business, House Hack, back in November last year, like I spoke to like 10 people in a week to get their perspective on it before I made the decision. And one of them put it so well. He just said to me, like this one sentence stuck with me. It was like, oh, it just sounds like you've outgrown it. And I went home and I was like, oh. God, like hit me right in the gut. And I spoke to like uh, my girlfriend about it that entire evening. I slept like 5 a.m., 6 a.m. My mind was just whirling on it because it was like, that's so right. Okay, I know what I need to do now. Now it's just the steps of closing it. So once you outgrow something, yes, move on, but at least give it enough time so that you can actually see the return investment from playing the long game. Because oftentimes we think about things as being additive, i.e., I add an extra person like once a day, cool, once a day, just it grows like linearly. But actually, everything grows exponentially in the digital age. So thinking about like the audience on this podcast, but also say who you write to online, it might tick up by one, two, one, two at the start. But actually, as things get going, you get a wider audience. They recommend more people and it goes even faster. So I think it's appreciating the exponentiality of our age and sticking it so that you can see the return on investment from it. Mm. So... Obviously, the, the young audience is massive on the podcast. Like that's that's all we kind of speak speak about and speak to. Like with the distraction element, how do people overcome that? Like that's a massive one for other like whether it's their phones, whether it's like loads of abundance of opportunity. Like there's a lot of different distractions out there. How do they stay not distracted and more disciplined? So the first one would be make your phone boring. Like whatever that means to you. If that means deleting apps that you would normally find fun. Don't give yourself the excuse for being fun. Like the, the, the saddest thing I see, and oh my God, like every time I see it, my heart like sinks. When you sit somewhere in a park and everyone around you is just eyes down on their phone. It's like, wow, there's so much world around you, yeah? There's so much things to see and experiences to have. But increasingly, we just like to distract ourselves from those tiny moments. And I believe those tiny moments are absolutely critical to creativity, to having ideas, to thinking things through and finding yourself. So I believe that you can't really find who you are without listening to who you are. And to create that space, 
you first need to get comfortable with those moments, get comfortable with that silence, get comfortable with just sitting down and being like, go for a walk without your phone. Wow. What a game changer. Like practice mindfulness, practice being present and it'll make it 10 times easier. And then once you have that mindset, that space, start asking yourself the questions like, you know, go into, do I actually enjoy this? Is this actually where I want to go? Like if I ask myself this in like 10 years time, is that where I'd be happy that I spent the time now? Okay. Like zoom in on that, coach yourself really and reflect regularly. I'd say the one habit that I do that benefits me the most is I have since like November 2020, I think, uh, reflected every week on a Sunday, what went well this week, what could be improved? Am I on track towards my long-term goals? Does anything need to change next week? And I ask myself those four, maybe even five questions if I've forgotten one there. And that holds me accountable to myself because I get to reflect at the end of the week and go, wow, there's so much stuff that's happened in a week. That's crazy. But I also get to set up next week and go, oh, next week's this, this, and this, these three key aims. Great, let's go. And it only takes, what, 15, 20 minutes? But that little action keeps me on the path that I want to go on and helps me reflect on whether the decisions I made that week are actually the ones that are right for me as well. I completely agree with you. And I think the being present element is probably the most challenging out of the things that you just said. There's just so much stimulation out there. Like the, there's just so much. And I think the ironic thing as well with this is that, so you go to say a park and you see people just sat on their phones with like nature around them, like everything's around them, but they're on their phones. And the ironic thing is when they're on say TikTok, they're watching like nature videos yeah, yeah, yeah and it's just so like it doesn't sit well in my mind it's like you're watching this like obviously it's highly sort of the production value is fairly good of the video um and they're like oh my god this is beautiful i'd love to go here but in actual fact like they're not actually appreciating the nature that they're in already like just in in the park do you see what i mean it's just such a it's so yeah it's a massive oxymoron it's like it's such a contrast i don't understand it it's it, it just it's so ironic but yeah i've seen that it's so prevalent and i think it is the overstimulation aspect that that people have to deal with. And I think that's really, really difficult. And it hasn't really happened before, but it's very like unique to the last sort of 10 years. And it's, it's getting worse and worse. Mm, yeah, and it links to the other side of things as well in terms of like the overstimulation comes to the burnout. It comes to that feeling of like, oh, I don't really know where I'm going in my life. Because I think there's a book that talks about this really, really well. It talks about the difference between making decisions on your own terms versus being influenced by others. And it gives the example of like a, an advertisement, say, for one instance, if you're thinking, okay, you know, I'm kind of interested in maybe a lawnmower, you type in line, Google lawnmower. Okay, great. You know, you're making the active choice there to search for a lawnmower. But if you're then in Facebook groups that you know, lawnmower advocates or garden specialists, whatever it is, then you get advertised on the feed about this lawnmower is great for you. You should get interested. Like, is that really your choice anymore? Like maybe you've got like a, a good option there to like, make the choice. And they talked about the third one, which is, okay, you know, you're part of these groups you interact on some pages about um, garden specialists or whatever it is, or like green thumbs. And then you get hit by an ad that says, I don't know who the equivalent person is in gardening, but David Attenborough has this amazing lawnmower and uh, you should get involved because it's got these, these, these features. If you miss out now, you'll, you won't take part in the discount or whatever it is. Like it uses the psychological tricks of like FOMO or, bringing you in to make a choice that's not really yours anymore because it's the subconscious that goes, wow, I need this thing because my friends have it because this influenced person has this like, wow, I should get involved. And it's like, are you making your own choice anymore? It's crazy. So I think that is such an important point to look at in the world of like, be intentional with how you spend your time and your energy and where you place it. 
and try and remove as much of distraction as you can. A, an ad that you see on YouTube that you just like click through. Okay, great. It's not really influencing me. Yes, it is. Yeah. A, a symptom of that though, Charlie, that I've really noticed recently is that people find it really difficult to make big decisions on their own now. I feel like because they're influenced by all these different factors, like I've spoken to a lot of people that are like, oh, I miss, I miss being a child. And it's like, why do you miss being a child? And it's like, well, like my parents would do this for me. Like I just go to school and I come back and like that was it. Didn't have to do all these like taxes or whatever. Like, and the thing that I pick up there is they just like being in a state where things are just like more comfortable, but also more comfortable in a way that you're not making any big decisions. You're not doing things yourself. And I I think it is a symptom of like, yeah, you're being pushed in so many different directions by different factors, like your phone, like advertising and everything. So when it comes to a big decision you have to make on your own, it's like, oh, let me speak to this person. Let me speak to this person. It's very difficult. And people just don't make a choice. And that, that leaves them in a state where they get a lot of anxiety because it's like not making a choice is probably worse than making a choice and living with that choice. 100%. 100%. I don't know. What do, you, what do you think about that? What have you seen? So I think it's very interesting. It's very interesting. The steps people take to avoid making decisions and just to go with the flow and see where life takes me like that unintentional way of living can work for some time when you're figuring things out at the beginning for sure like you want to explore options and see what's out there but as soon as you get that little twinge of like oh this thing's right for me like doubling down on it and going in like oh wow i should really explore that is what's going to take you there and i think people often in this regard just like lose out on who they are in the process they become like like you say influenced by other people other factors so a big one is just like zoom out and realize that we have a long life and especially say you and i on this call we're in our 20s yeah (laughs) you know i spoke to people who are in their 60s they're still figuring things out Uh, it's crazy yeah like we haven't got to figure it out by 30 to have kids to get married and then you know live a happy life afterwards like no like people still figure it out all across their lives and i think realizing that and realizing also that you could just like play offense in your 20s and completely mess everything up and be absolutely fine. It's okay. Like the more we realize that the worst case scenario is actually that bad, it makes it a lot easier to make those high risk plays that seem overwhelming at the start. I completely agree with you. And I wish we could talk about that more. Um, the, but yeah, we don't have that much time. I'd love to see, Charlie, like what you're getting up to next. What is what is next for you? Yeah, great question. Uh, there's a few different things I'm working on. So I think the... It's all united by this idea of empowering individuals to create organizations of the future. And whatever I do, I take on this, what Paul Miller calls the path as path, which is basically not being too intentional with the business goal or the thing you're building, but instead being intentional with the day-to-day actions. So am I doing activities that I enjoy? Yeah, I quite like writing, coaching, and so on. So I'll keep doing more of that. What else can I add to the, to the bow? It happens to be a fourth C, probably community in there somewhere. Um, But I think the next step for me is doing more of this at scale, but also then forming the community around it, bringing people together who are interested in this way of living this intentional life and being or taking on a more portfolio career route where they do multiple things, where they answer the question of what you do with like three, five things rather than one little definition, little box they can go into. So I think creating a community around uh, portfolio careerists, solopreneurs in their 20s would be really cool as well. Uh, but mostly focused on how I can give people the skills and the confidence and the mindset to really create organizations that matter because 
owning a piece of a capitalist economy is so important for anyone who wants to, yes, build wealth, but also build freedom, like operating off a nine to five grid. Wow. Like that's the life you want. And that's so empowering to be able to do it. So helping people genuinely do it, not these bullshit courses. Like that's what's matter. That's what matters. I love that. Charlie, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It was such a pleasure having you on. How could people stay in touch with you and what you're doing? Because I'm sure they would, would want to do that. Yeah, I really appreciate it. It's been a great, great chat with you as well. Uh, for myself, I'd say check out Mastering Your 20s on Substack. So just type in that on, on um, Google and you'll see that I write there every Friday on the skills you need to master your 20s, the diary that I have in terms of the learnings and also discussions with people, like I said before, with someone in their 60s, different priorities in life, which is really cool. But also, if you know you like what I'm talking about, you want to drop a, a message, hit me up on LinkedIn. That's the main space that I'm at as well. I don't really use that many other social media platforms. So yeah, that's where I'm at. Fantastic. Thank you so much for coming on, man, again. And yeah, been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. Yeah, I like what I've seen. It's been awesome. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Millennial Entrepreneur, and I'm so glad that you made it to the very end. So if you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to give a five-star written review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, like we're everywhere. So show the support. And if you haven't already checked that episode of number 100, then please do. It's literally the one before this. <laughs> You'll definitely like it because it was, you know, a massively special episode. And Carl, my guest, really represents what this podcast is all about, you know, giving a opportunity and showcasing how people of all sort of backgrounds can get into this wonderful thing called entrepreneurship. And so that's the reason why I started this. And he was the epitome of what, what this is, this is the sort of message that I'm trying to spread. So if you enjoy this podcast as a whole, you'll definitely love that episode with Carl because it's the epitome. And so thank you so much for listening again, and I'll catch you in the next one.